Welcome to the podcast of Scott Street MB Church. We hope you find this message inspiring and encouraging in your walk as a disciple of our Lord Jesus Christ. We are back in the book of James again today. Boy, I'm enjoying this book. And it's a joy to study through a book of uh, scripture together to get a sense of the writer and a sense of the book and the direction he's going. Um, It's been quite a journey that we've been on. And um, for those of you who may be new online or those of you here who haven't been here for previous Sundays, I'll just a brief um, introduction to the book of James. James, um, who is the man is the first question who has this book by his name. Well, there are many James mentioned in Scripture, and there's many James even here today. And, um, but there's only one James who wrote the book, and it's believed that this is James, the brother of Jesus, the half-brother of Jesus. Um, we understand from historical uh, writings that James wasn't a believer in Jesus when he was growing up. And during the early years of Jesus' ministry, James did not follow Jesus. But upon Jesus' um, death and resurrection and return, James, his very own brother, the brother of Jesus, came to faith. And he became a leader and an apostle and a believer, a strong believer in Jesus, not only his brother, but Jesus the Messiah. So it's an incredible book, incredible book written by this James, brother of Jesus. Um, And it's also a unique book in that it has something unique it's trying to teach us. Just a little help here. Number one, it teaches us about how to live during times of trial. So our actions during times of trial. Secondly, our treatment of those less fortunate. Thirdly, we speak, it, it speaks to us about how we relate to one another, how we use our words. Lastly, it speaks about the role of money and how it impacts our lives. So it's a very practical book, a very practical book. And I am a practical man, so I I think that's why I love it. It It teaches me what shall I do. And today we're going to be looking at James and favoritism. Favoritism. Now, Coca-Cola is a carbonated drink. I'm sure you've had it. It's sold everywhere, stores, restaurants, vending machines. In more than 200 countries, you can find a Coca-Cola. You may not be able to find electricity in the little town that you're in in East Africa, but you can find Coca-Cola. It, is, uh, it started in Atlanta, Georgia in 1894, and they had the crazy idea in 1955 of putting Coca-Cola in cans. Who would have thought? Soda in a can in 1955. They've sold billions and billions of cans of Coke. My question to you this morning is, what do you favor? What's your favorite? Coke or Pepsi? Coke? Pepsi. Oh, that's close. That's close. I think Coke won. I think Coke won. The Model T Ford was first produced in 1908, over 111 years ago. The Ford, Mr. Ford, came out with an automobile. They soon called it a car, after a word used in the 1300s meaning a chariot. Cara, C-A-R-R-A. We called it a car in 1908. The first year he started building them, he sold 10,000, over 10,000, 10,607 cars. And you know, people, I think this car thing is going to catch on. 
I think people are going to like having an automobile. And what happened is that he created the Model T Ford for 19 years. And at a time when the only way to get around was in a carriage or being pulled with horses and the like, people liked cars over 19 years. Okay, from from the beginning in 1908, basically there were no cars. 19 years later, how many Model T Fords had Mr. Ford produced? 19 years and 15 million cars. I think people like cars. I think, it's, I think this car thing is just going it's, it's to explode. Here's my question to you. GM or Ford? What, what is your favorite? GM? We're in St. Catharines. Ford? Well, that's close, too. It's close. Toyota, Mercedes, Audi, there's so many kinds. 19 years and 15 million cars. Rice is growing all over the world with a total harvested area of 158 million hectares. Each year, 158 million hectares of rice are growing. Not a single hectare in St. Catharines. There are no rice growers here. On these 158 million hectares, over 700 million tons of rice is growing. 700 million tons of rice is growing. And it's all eaten every year. 700 million tons. Here's my question for you. What is your favorite? Rice or potatoes? Okay. Rice. Who likes, prefers rice? Who prefers potatoes? Ooh, I think the potatoes have it. I think we have Coke drinking... GM driving potato eaters here today. That is the preference of Scott Street MB Church. So whether we want to admit it or not, we show preferences. We, we have favorites. And um, there's nothing wrong with, with having some favorites. Um, but there's also a matter of choosing what is right and what is wrong in life. So sometimes... We need to, we have a favorite because it's the right thing to do. We need to make judgments about the world based on the Word of God. However, when it comes to showing favoritism among people in our daily relationships, this is not God's desire for us. And that's what we're going to look at today. We can easily show favoritism for people who seem smarter, who are more beautiful, who are taller, who have more hair, and that is wrong. (laughs) Just. Matt, you're with me here, brother. That is wrong. Scriptures encourage us to treat each other alike with love. God tells us that we are not to show favoritism in this world among people. Let's look at our first point. God has chosen the poor to be rich in faith. I'll read the scripture again, starting at verse 2. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring... And fine clothes. And a poor man in shabby clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you. But say to the poor man, you stand there or sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated amongst yourselves and become judges 
with evil thoughts. So suppose a man comes into our meeting, comes in here today. I wish that more people would come into here today in our times of worship. Everyone is welcome here, are they not? Yes, they are. We all need to do what we can to welcome more and more people into God's church. You know, this is a difficult day to live and, and to serve. Our young people, our, our young adults, our old people, they need a family of faith where they are loved and welcomed. We need it more and more. doesn't matter what people are wearing, if they have lots of hair or no hair, if they have tattoos or earrings or running shoes or sandals. It doesn't matter if you have a grade school education or a doctoral degree. You are welcome here. Amen? Amen. You are welcome here. People often ask me, Rob, how do you grow the church? And I, I still believe that we grow the church by you and me. It's people that build the church. Big buildings, flashy programs, they're not the key to growing a church. They may help people who are looking for a particular program, but it is you that are the key to the growth of the church. Jesus calls his people to reach people. Who is the best one to reach St. Catharines for Jesus Christ, to tell St. Catharines of his love? Well, if you're in a hospital, it's probably a nurse. If you're a mechanic, it's, if you're working in a garage, it's probably a mechanic. Who is the best person to reach someone who is, is working... Uh, driving a dump truck. Probably another dump truck driver who loves Jesus. I met that, that garbage man a couple weeks ago, remember, Katie? And he just loved the Lord. And, and yeah, his, he does so much ministry through his, his uh, garbage truck down there on, in Fort Erie. God bless him. I was so proud of him. You know, we don't have the right to keep Jesus to ourselves. He's a gift that was meant to be given away. So God bless you as you give him away. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Jesus, and that is the news that we spread. And it's easy. It's easy. We share him through our life, through our work, through our actions and our words. There was a great preacher, Dwight Moody. The Moody Institute was named after Dwight L. Moody. And he was often criticized because he was an evangelist. Remember last week we talked about uh, uh, Valentine, St. Valentine on Valentine's Day, who was, was killed for his faith. Well, Dwight Moody was another evangelist. And people used to criticize him because of his evangelistic methods. And his, his common re reply was, I like my way of doing evangelism better than your way of not doing it. <laughs> Any method is better than no method. And no method is, is what some people have. What's your method? How do you share Christ? What's your method? Mine is to talk to people everywhere I go. To, to show an interest in them as Christ would show an interest in them. To speak. To pray for people. To invite people to tell me more about themselves. To talk about the Lord I love and the church I love. People still call me Scott. Because that's what I talk about. I talk about Scott Street Mennonite Brethren Church that I love. And, and when, they, when I leave, they don't remember my name, but they remember Scott Street. See you, Scott. I just say, see ya. <laughs> we must live out our faith, and the power to speak will come. 
Don't worry about having fancy words. How many of you can say, repeat after me, I love you. Very good. You kids are good. I love you. It is such a joy to be a part of the family of God. And there is no place for discrimination. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing gold rings and fine clothes. Isn't it amazing this was written 2,000 years ago? And we say, here's the good seat. Here, here's the, here's the, the seat for men with gold rings and fancy clothes. And then the poor man comes in and we say, well, you can go up to the back or watch us online. No, no place for that. No place for that. Do we ever get rich people and poor people in Scott Street Mennonite Brethren Church? Have we ever had a rich person in our church? I don't know. Have we ever had a poor person in our church? I don't know. I'm not sure what rich and poor really is. I believe we've had rich and we've had poor. And since God loves all people and wants all people to be saved, they all belong here, rich and poor. Now, it's true that we might relate to some people better than others. There might be some people that we sort of hit it off with more than others. But we need to do our best to love everyone alike. Here's a few examples. There are many times in Kenya when I would be preaching. I had a church in Mathare Valley. Uh, it was a neighborhood uh, down in, uh, in a valley in Nairobi, thus called Mathare Valley. And, um, and I would go down there on Sunday mornings and I would, I would lead the service with Julius Karanjikimani, my beloved brother. And there were all sorts of people would come into the church. Sometimes there would be people with no shoes would come to church. Sometimes there'd be people who come and, and their, clothes, their clothes were soiled. Oftentimes, we were in an area called the Shanga district where they brewed illegal um, drink. Oftentimes people would show up at church and they were drunk. What do you do with a drunk person who comes into church? My method was to let them fall asleep. <laughs> now, I think if you, if you are having difficulty in life and you show up in church and you're inebriated, I think that that is a good place to sleep. I do. Now, that does not mean you can fall asleep. So please do not fall asleep now. But a church, a community, should be a safe place. And we welcome children, we welcome adults, we welcome all people at our little church in Mathari Valley. And I loved it. There were other churches in Kenya, in, in Nairobi, you would go to, and the, the parking lot would be full of uh, Mercedes-Benz. There are wealthy churches there, too. But my little Mathari Valley was a poor church. The church has a mandate to care for the widows and the orphans, the poor and the destitute. To me, it doesn't matter what a person's status is, their age, their wealth, or even the reason they are in church. What I do know is that we must treat all people alike with love and respect. Amen? I believe, I believe we have someone who's come to church for the first time ever today. He's only, I think, about... 12 weeks old. Is Jeremy here today? 
He is in. I got the thumbs up. Jeremy is in the building. David's little baby boy is in church for the first time. And I was there. And I was there. Children are welcome. And today and next week, children are welcome in the service. Well, they're always welcome in the service, but we ask them to remain in the service. And uh, feel free to snuggle with them and, and let them enjoy some, some crayons and they can listen to Pastor Rob's stories. Has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised to those who love him? So is James saying that all poor people will go to heaven? No. He is saying that the poor are more likely to possess faith in Christ as they won't have the pressures and distractions of the rich. Matthew 16, 26, What shall it profit a person if they gain the whole world and loses their soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Lots of scripture about money. 1 Timothy 6.10, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Now, this is important. Let us not confuse a person with a lot of money with a person who has a love of money. A wealthy person is not necessarily a rich person. The difference is the love and the perspective on money. And it's quite difficult. It's it's, it's difficult to discern the difference between the two. You know, it was difficult for me to live in, in Kenya as a Canadian man. I am a Canadian. And I have medicine if I'm sick. I can go to the doctor and I don't even have to pull out a credit card. They see me for free. I have food every day. I've got so much food, I have a meal that I call snack. I get three meals and then I get a snack. Can you believe that? A snack. Around the world, we don't have a lot of snacking. I have heat. I have a telephone. I have a car. I have electricity. I am the richest man on earth. I am. I'm one of the 1%. Imagine. And you are too. You are wealthy. So when I read these scriptures, I have to ask myself, God, am I wealthy or am I rich? How do I see this wealth that you've given me? Sometimes I read the scripture and I say, God, make me poor. But then there are other things. You look on TV and you know what? I feel poor. I don't have the newest. I don't have, I don't have the fanciest phone. I don't even have a gold ring. Am I rich or am I poor? You know, I think I'm both. And I think I can be both as I serve Jesus Christ. God, make me wealthy so that I can give it away. God, make me poor that I can rely on you. Amen? Yeah. Vending machines have come a long way since I was a kid. And the other day I went to wash my car. 
at, uh, on Welland Avenue. There's a, a wash-your-own-car place. And, um, and in order to wash your car, you need change. And the only way to get change is to have money. Because it doesn't take credit cards, so you need money. And it, the only thing it, it takes is, is bills. And I don't know if you've noticed, but in Canada, we have the funniest money. If you take this around the world and you show Canadian money, oftentimes people will say, that is funny money. Particularly with the hole in it and it's plastic now. So there I am trying to wash my car last week on, on, um, on Welland Avenue. And it says, put your money in the slot. So I take out my bill and I put it in the slot. And it goes chunkity-chunk and puts the bill back out. So I look at my bill and, and I straighten it. Have you ever had to do this? Have you ever had to do it on the vending machines? And you make sure the corner is, is proper. You make sure that uh, Wilfrid Laurier is on the top, you know, on the $5 bill. And you put it in again. And, you, and you, you pray. You put it in, chunk, chunk, spits it back out. And this is, this is when you say, there's something wrong with this machine. There's something wrong. It is, it's showing favoritism. It's showing favoritism to bills that are perfect. And I'm sorry my bill isn't perfect, but it's all I have. And I want to wash my car. You try again, and it doesn't work. And this one's not going to work because I put it in my pocket and I folded it. So that's when you go to your wife and say, Sarah, I need money. <laughs> and she gives you money. The machine will not take your bill if it's been folded, crumpled, washed, or taped, or abused in any way. The machine rejects old, worn-out bills. A clean, fresh bill it will receive. An old, worn-out one, it won't. Favoritism is much like that machine. We don't want to admit it, but sometimes we are like those vending machines. We tend to accept people who have it all together. We tend to be less accepting of people who are folded and crushed and washed and held together by tape. People who have been through the ringer and find themselves being spit out by our society, by those around them, even by Christians. There are people who believe that to be in church, you need to be that pristine bill. You need to be perfect. But we're not perfect, are we? We're not. We love God and He makes us perfect. But, but frankly, you and I, we are a, we're a little bit worn out. And we might be a little bit bent at the edges. But God tells us that it matters not how much you fold it, how much you crumple it, how much you destroy it, that his child is his child. And this $5 bill, no matter what I've done to it, it may not work in the vending machine, it's still worth how much? $5. And a child of God is a child of God, regardless what they've been through. I am not in mint condition, but I know God loves me. Let's continue. 
looking at the royal law. How many of you knew about the royal law in verse 8? If you keep the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. But if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted of the law as lawbreakers. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking it all. Did you know about the royal law? There is a royal law. Love your neighbor as yourself. There are so many laws, over 600 laws in the Old Testament alone. And there are thousands upon thousands of laws in Canada. Let me warn you, there's, there's a law in Alberta that it is, it is against the law. You can be charged for painting a wooden ladder. If you've got a ladder, leave it unpainted. In Toronto, you are not allowed to use profanity in a public park. You shouldn't be swearing anyway. But if you do, don't. If you do, don't do it in a public park because you can be charged. Number three, in Oshawa, it is against the law to climb trees. Don't go climbing trees in Oshawa. And here's the most important. Across Canada, from sea to sea to sea, it is illegal in public anywhere in Canada to remove a Band-Aid. <laughs> Did you know that? Do not take off your Band-Aid in public. You're, you're, they're going to throw you in the clink. That's the law. Canadian law. There are so many laws. Don't take off your Band-Aids. Don't take off your Band-Aids. I'll call the cops on you. There are some good laws and there are some bad laws. And the royal law is to love your neighbor as yourself. Okay? Boys and girls, who is your neighbor? Yes? Mr. Bickert is your neighbor. <laughs> do you love Mr. Bickert? Yes, you do. You're wonderful. I'm going to give you $5. Come on up here and... It's, it's bent, it's folded. I told her to buy Mr. Bickert some candy. <laughs> the royal law, love your neighbor as yourself. Yes, Mr. Bickert is your neighbor. And your neighbor is your neighbor. But frankly... Our neighbor is whoever that we come in contact with. How do you love your neighbor? Love your neighbor as yourself. How do you love yourself? Well, you give yourself good food. You wear good clothes. You rest. You take a shower. You play. You work out. You listen to music. You enjoy beautiful things. You're careful on the ice. You don't eat too much ice cream. You love yourself. Our lives are a temple that God gave us to live in and to serve him with and to love others with. In the same manner that we love ourselves, we are to love our neighbor. I remember my neighbor in Toronto, Johnny. He liked to live in his garage. It's not his real name. Uh, just so you know. He lived in his garage and... And some people say he lived in his garage because he didn't want to live in his house with his wife, but I don't know if that's true. I loved his wife. But he'd like to be in his garage with all his old car parts and, 
and his tools, and he had an old couch in there. And he used to drive a limousine, and uh, he couldn't walk much anymore. Um, and the number one thing he couldn't do is he couldn't use his snowplow, and he lived up a steep driveway. And um, whenever it snowed, I'd get a phone call, and he, I'd, I'd hear Johnny's voice, and he'd say, Somebody blew my snow last time we had a snowstorm, and it needs it again. <laughs> he couldn't ask me to do his snow, but he'd always, he'd always phone just to make sure that I knew that the snow needed blowing. So I, would, I blew him out, and I, I blew out... There's about seven people in our cul-de-sac, so by the time I was done, I had a good workout. Uh, and I loved him. I got Johnny's message. He needed help, and he knew that I was willing to love him and serve him. How do you love your neighbor? How do you love Mr. Bickert? You, you, you wave and you say hello when you see him. That's a nice thing when you see your neighbor. Maybe you blow their snow. How do you love your neighbor? By doing favors for them. Yes, if they say, hey, could you, could you cut my grass? Maybe when you get a little bit older, you can cut their grass. You do favors for people. They, they're willing to help you. Does your neighbor know that you're willing to help them? Does your neighbor know you're willing to? Even if you're out there on number three line, way out there in the country, to, uh, what can you do for your neighbors? Our neighbors need our love more than any any other time. Do nothing out of selfish ambition, Philippians 2, or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourself. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but to the interests of Mr. Bickert. No, sorry, to the interests of others. <laughs> Looking to the interests of our neighbors. Galatians 6, 9, let us not become weary in doing good. Oh, brothers and sisters, let's not get weary. Let's keep doing good as if we're teenagers. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at a proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, what a great scripture, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Let us go out of our way to treat our neighbors the best we can. And you know, you are good at this. For many of you who have a Mennonite heritage, Mennonites, from what I understand, are the most caring, generous people. And I am learning to be a good Mennonite. Taking care of our neighbors, taking care of those in need. The MCC, Mennonite Central Committee, is known for taking care of those in poverty, those in need around the world, and I'm proud to be a part of that organization as well. Let's finish a couple more words on the royal law. Loving your neighbor as yourself means treating others' concerns as your own concerns. Imagine a committee meeting that you're in, and you have a particular issue, and another person says, well, I see it kind of opposite. I see it this way. Treating your neighbor as yourself is then standing up and helping other people understand what the opposing view means. It means seeing the other person's perspective as more important than your own. Having a desire to support the other person and their interests more than yourself. Loving our neighbor as ourselves means treating others' needs 
as my needs, as a common need. That's why we share prayer concerns. That's why we share our needs and our struggles. Our life is important to God, and your life is important to me. When one of us is in trouble, we're all in trouble. When one of us is blessed, we're all blessed. That's what community is all about. We're in this together. That's the truth of the royal law. So, I know that there are some new people here today because Sarah's father is here today, Alan. Alan, can you put up your hand so that I can embarrass you publicly? Thank you very much. There's my dad, Alan Penny. You are so welcome here, Dad. Dad, you have no idea how wonderful these people are. You are in the middle of a church full of incredible, gifted people. Yeah. <laughs> and I love them. <laughs> and you guys, this is my dad. <laughs> and I love him too. Uh, what the heck? And I want you to love one another. And so we are so proud to, to bring Dad. And, and Dad's been watching us for months on his computer. So this is, this is what we look like, Dad. And I think we have some new brothers and sisters with us this morning. I see some faces I'm not familiar with. You are so welcome here. You're so welcome to this church family. You have no idea what a wonderful body this is. And this, is, this was God's idea, the church. And he calls us not to show favoritism, but through the royal law, he explains, love each other, take care of your neighbor as you love yourself. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. What a wonderful, what a wonderful gift a church is. You know what? Here's the truth. We're all rich. You know why? Because we have each other. Amen? We are so rich. If we are believers in Christ, we are rich because we have Jesus, his teaching, his love. We are rich because we have the body of Christ, the church. We have our relationships with one another, incredible men and women who serve, who love, and who care. Let's live according to the royal law. Let's live according to the teachings of James, his straightforward words to us this morning. Don't show favoritism. The message is clear. God loves all people, all the time. Red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. Amen. Let us make it a habit of welcoming all people to the family of God. Let us pray together. Lord, we're grateful for your word to us today. To your word that encourages us to love as you love, without prejudice. Help us to see clearly the needs of those around us. Help us to love our neighbor well enough that we know what they need and we know how to care for them. Give us the wisdom and discernment to support and care for others. And Father, help us to be blind to the things that would separate us, but to see one another as you see us, as your children. All different, all deeply loved all your family. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.
listening. For any questions about the message or to contact any of our pastors, please visit scottstreetchurch.ca.